Hi guys, Patrick here. I was just doing this disclaimer at the start of this episode just to say we'll be talking about topics such as suicide, children getting hurt or killed, rape, sexual assault and murder. So if any of those are triggering factors, best just skip this episode. Thank you and I hope you enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Better Watch Horror Podcast. I'm your host Patrick. And I'm Celeste. And we're here as always to share our love of everything horror. And true crime. Can't forget about them true crimes. No, no, no. And welcome to what we are calling this episode today, Crimes of Halloween. Yeah, so we're hoping we can make this a sort of series that we do every year and just keep it fun. Keep it, yeah, keep (laughs) it fun. (laughs) What you said. I don't know what I was going to say. Anyway, so basically what is going to happen today is we have six stories for you guys. We don't know what each other's stories are. We just confided in each other to make sure we didn't like... Pick the same ones. Pick the same story. Yeah. But we have no idea about each other's stories, so we are learning as As you you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, why don't you start us off? Sure. So my first story is this man called Ronald O'Brien, and he's also known as the Candyman. And I feel like he is probably the most known Halloween crime because he actually poisoned his son through his Halloween candy. You're kidding me? No. That's fucked up. Yeah. So this happened in 1974. So... Ronald took his eight-year-old son, Timothy, and five-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, out trick-or-treating with his friend, Jim, and Jim's son as well. So it was a group of five. So they're going around trick-or-treating. They come home. Ronald says, look, guys, you can have one piece of candy before bed. And that's that. And so Elizabeth goes, no, like, I want to save all my candy. I want to make it last. And Timothy goes, no. I, I want one and picks a pixie stick. And so a pixie stick is like that the, plastic tube yeah. full of sherbet. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I used to have those all the time as a kid. Yeah, so he picked that. And as soon as he ate it, he was like, it tastes funny. And then within minutes, he was dead. Fucking hell. So the police obviously were called and they were investigating it. And Ronald said, look, we, we got like these pixie sticks from this particular house while we were trick-or-treating when we went past all the lights were off but the kids knocked anyway didn't hear anything from inside so he's like I told the rest of the group to keep going to the next house and I'd keep trying and he said that someone did open the door eventually and a man's arm passed out these pixie sticks through the door so the police go to the house find that a young family lives there so then they go to the man's workplace which is at an airport arrest him because they were like well if timothy ate this pixie stick that he got from your house and then passed the candy to ronald it has to be you and then he goes well actually i was working that night so it wasn't me so then the police do further investigation and find that ronald was in a lot of debt and he put life insurance policies on his kids and then yeah, turns out that he'd poured uh, cyanide in the uh, pixie sticks and yeah. That's fucked up. Yep, so he was sentenced to death by lethal injection in 1975. As it's deserved. Yep. Honestly, so, yeah. what a fuckhead. Yeah, like I just, I don't understand. No, I'll never understand. 
why people do that to their own kids. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just never, it'll never confide in me how people can do that sort yeah. of thing. He makes me mad. Every time I, like, think about, like, Halloween crimes, he's the one I think of. Well, he was actually, when I look, when I was researching, he came up first and I was going to do that story, yeah. but luckily you <laughs> said you were first. Yeah. But anyway, I think I stole one of yours for my first story yes. anyway. Because <laughs> I will be talking about William B.J. Liskey Jr., Now, in 2001, BJ's father, William, married his partner, Susan. Susan had already two sons with her previous marriage named Devon and Derek, and BJ didn't really have the greatest relationship with his stepmother. In 2002, because of this, he had a full-on argument with his father and threatened to harm himself. My God. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, obviously, the father calls the police. They take BJ away to get help. He's diagnosed with schizophrenia and put on medication and obviously he's doing well so he gets to come back but unfortunately 2004 he has an argument with susan in turn he punches her in the chest and then two months later he assaults susan with a coffee mug running away with her car keys and also had attacked her in the shower as well what like in your most vulnerable position Oh, my gosh. So, when shit really hit the fan was in 2010 on Halloween. Devin returned home from the church after spending a night with his biological father. He just wanted to go home and play video games, really. And he noticed after a while that it was a bit too quiet in the house. Like, something was not right. Yeah. He ended up going to his parents' bedroom, expecting that they would have been woken up by him coming home. Devin started speaking to them with no response. So he starts to panic. He saw a red quilt over their heads. So he goes over to his mother's side of the bed to like shake her awake and like saying, mum, like, are you awake? Oh God. No response. Again, lifts up the quilts. All he remembers apparently is just seeing blood and he's screaming, panicking and runs out of the house straight to his aunt for help. And in turn, the aunt calls 911. So when the police get there, they find out that William had been shot in the head and face about five times. What? Susan had been sexually assaulted and shot in the head three times at close range. Oh, no. And Derek had been killed by blunt force trauma to the head, which was not found until his autopsy. Oh, no. So obviously they got BJ and he was convicted of six aggravated murder charges and pleaded guilty. So the death penalty was taken off the table. Yeah. But... Didn't matter because in 2011, he hung himself in his jail cell. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's sad. It is very sad. Like, he went off and got the help that he wanted, was on the medication, did well, but then to himself thought, nah, I don't need this anymore, and then just turned back yeah. to what he was. Wow. That's just sad. It is very sad. Like, especially what he did to his stepmom. Yeah, like, no one deserves Like, no matter, like, like, the shit that they went through, she would have still, like, loved him as a son. Yeah, tried to love him as a son. Yeah. And he just wasn't allowing that to happen, really. Yeah. Alrighty. Alright, so my second story, there wasn't really too much information on it because, like, he didn't really give a reason as to why he did it. So, in 1981, uh, Johnny Frank Garrett... um, he was convicted of murdering a nun. So her name was Sister Tadia Benz and her body was found naked in her bedroom in a convent in Texas. So the other nuns living in the convent found her, saw a broken window, called police, 
when they came, they saw her clothing and a knife under her bed. And then yeah. when they'd done the autopsy, um, they found that she'd been stabbed, strangled and sexually assaulted. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Like, again, as <laughs> many times that we're going to do bloody true crime throughout this whole podcast, I will just never understand what goes through people's minds. Yeah. And so they actually found Johnny because a witness um, saw him fleeing the scene. Yeah. And he actually lived across the road from the convent. You're kidding me. So I think it must have been a neighbor or something. And he had no reason why he should have been at the convent for like anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then he was convicted and sentenced to death in 1982. And it's reported that his last words were, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me. The rest of the world can kiss my ass. What an asshole. Yeah. And a nun too. Yeah. Like an innocent nun. Yeah. Just no reason. Yeah. So he was across the road and just Just walked. went over, stabbed her, strangled her, sexually assaulted her, booked it. What a fuck. And yeah, yeah in the, like all the interviews and like investigation that the police were doing, he w- just kept denying it. Yeah. And then, yeah, just never said why he did it. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, at least you got interviews for your next story because I only got to find mine off of NBC Chicago off their website because there was nothing about this next story I'm about to tell. So I am talking about a bloke named Liddell Peoples. When I was looking this guy up, all I could get was this bloke named Liddell Lee, who was like another convicted murderer, but apparently he was wrongly convicted. So when I'm trying to look up someone else and I'm getting... No, yeah. no, you want this guy. And I'm like, no, no, I, no. Want, I want the guy that killed his girlfriend on Halloween night. No, yeah. no, 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 you want to talk about this dude. <laughs> like, Thanks, Google. You're so helpful. So helpful. <laughs> so in 2011 in Chicago Southside, an argument between Liddell Peoples, who was 55 at the time, and Maria Adams, who was 49 at the time, broke out. The argument started as Liddell blamed Maria for stealing a bag of his Halloween candy. You're kidding. I'm not joking. <laughs> I had to talk about this one as soon as I found out about it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's just crazy. People are crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'd do that, but, like, not a full-on argument. I'd just be mad. Yeah, like, ooh, what you eat my Twix? Yeah. This? Like, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, bloody hell. So, during the argument, Maria had thrown a plate at Liddell's head, which oh. led to a cut above his eye. Oh, God. In turn, enraged <laughs> Liddell, and his reaction was to stab her multiple times what? with multiple steak knives. Yeah. What? He was later arrested with the charge of attempted murder and aggravated domestic battery, but when the autopsy came out, it got changed to manslaughter. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. It is so stupid. So this poor lady lost her life, and she probably didn't even do it. No, she probably did not. He probably ate it and just forgot. Maybe. I've done that before. I know, yeah. You <laughs> tell me all the stories. <laughs> it's blackout while I'm eating. Yeah, I think everyone has. Good times. But, yeah. but not for Maria. Oh, my God. And they're like full adults, like 55. Yeah. I'd expect this from a five-year-old to throw yeah, a Yeah, I'd expect like our nephew when yeah. he's old enough and say <laughs> we accidentally eat his candy. Yeah. Or lollies and chocolate. Yeah, he throws a tantrum. Not a 55-year-old man. Yeah. Oh, my God. People are just crazy, as I'll probably <sighs> keep saying. You can probably count that on your fingers <laughs> how many times I say crazy during this whole thing because it's just... It is. Especially on a night where you're supposed to have fun. Yeah. And 
like you're supposed to feel safe with your family and shit like this is happening. Yeah. Oh, it's oh just crazy. God. All right. So my last story is you've, you've probably heard of them before. So it's the toolbox killers. Yes, I have heard of them before. So I'm including them in this episode because their last kill was actually on Halloween night. So if you don't know who they are. Um, it was two men, Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris, and they terrorized America in 79. Um, so they would pick up female teenagers if they were hitchhiking, just walking home, walking to the shops or something like that. Um, and their goal was to kill a young girl from each age of your teenage years. So like 13 to 19. That's fucked up. And they wanted to do one a month. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they'd either, you know, offer them a ride, offer them weed, offer them alcohol, you know, trying to be cool. Yeah. Sometimes the girls would willingly get in the van. Sometimes they wouldn't. And so one of them would be driving. One would be in the back of the van. They'd slide the door open, grab her and pull her in. Um, and so all of these victims, um, they'd be tied up, raped, tortured with like various tools like pliers ice picks jesus um a baseball bat wow and then yeah they'd strangle them sometimes even shoot them dead and um they'd like take polaroid pictures of all the victims as well so yeah and they they called the toolbox killers because when the police found them and found the van they found a little toolbox and in the toolbox was all of their tools and all their weapons that they'd used plus all of these photos from all their victims that's crazy yeah um so their last victim was a 16 year old from san fernando valley and her name was shirley um and yeah she that when they did like all the autopsy and stuff they said she probably died on october 31st but they weren't captured until november 20th yeah it's like a whole month later um so they're actually captured because one of their friends who was actually an inmate with them um when they were both in prison one time he um they told him about their crimes yeah and he didn't believe them and then in the news when they were reporting about shirley he was like oh my god they weren't kidding so he told his lawyer and then his lawyer called the police and told them and then obviously they can't arrest them without having evidence so they followed them and staked them out for weeks and so they found norris selling drugs on the street like literally catching him in the act what a dumbass yeah and then Bidika, he was caught um, after he'd abducted and raped another young girl. Oh. Um, so, yeah, then when they did the investigation, it was a lot of back and forth. Norris said, like, I didn't do it. It was all his plan. But then that actually voice recorded their crimes as well. So, uh, so they're dumb as fuck serial killers, really. Yeah. No, no, you did it. But here's a voice recording of you doing it. Both of you doing it. That is so dumb. Yeah. And so because Norris was a bit more helpful with the investigation, he only got sentenced 45 to life um, and Bittaker was sentenced to death. And then um, while he was waiting for his execution date, he actually died in prison in 2019. So it took, he was on death row for 40 years before he just died of natural causes. It wasn't deserved. No. He should have died 
Yeah. By any means. Yeah. And then, yeah, Norris died in 2020 while in jail as well. Like, how? I don't know how. Honestly, there's obviously a lot more to tell with those two. Yeah. Which so. we might do an episode on in the future. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely put it down for one. Like, I want to learn more of how dumb these two are. Yeah. They just seem dumb. Like, voice recordings? Yeah. It was so that they could have, like, mementos of their crimes and relive it. Yeah, they were but getting I bored. think Polar- Polaroids were enough. Not for some people, clearly. No, obviously not. Oh, well. Oh, well. We move on. Yep. To the last story of our Crimes of Halloween episode, which I've gone with Quentin Patrick. Did you pick him because of his last name? Yes. Of, of course, course I did. did. <laughs> but, um, no, this one was actually really interesting. Okay. And it's pretty sad, oh. as all the stories are. Yeah. Minus the last one I talked about. That's just stupid. Yes. But sad for that family. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about the victim first. Okay. So, TJ was this 12-year-old boy yep. who attended a Halloween block party in South Carolina. Uh, sorry. Attended a Halloween block party in South Carolina in 2008. Okay. After leaving TJ... Uh, sorry. After leaving, TJ and his brother weren't ready to call it a night just yet and asked their parents if they could go trick-or-treating. And the parents, of course, they agreed. Yeah. The family got to the house of 22-year-old Quentin Patrick, who had his porch light on indicating that a household had candy to hand out for trick-or-treaters, which I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, I know, like, some neighbourhoods do it. Like, even here, um, I recently joined a Facebook group for Halloween lovers, and because it's not such a big thing here in Australia, um, one of these people, they said that they made up these flyers to put in people's letterboxes around the neighbourhood where they live and said, you know, if you're going to be participating in Halloween to help us like parents with little trick-or-treaters if you want to participate put an orange ribbon on your letterbox or on your door or something so that the people that don't want to participate they don't get bothered yeah by people knocking on their door but like it's all fun and games like you see it in the movies and i'm like i wish like it was as big as it is in america that it is yeah. here yeah. because it just seems so much fun. You get to dress up as something scary for a night and it's, it's great. Yeah. And obviously look at all the movies we get from it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. But anyway, back to the story. Yeah. <laughs> what the family didn't know was that Quentin was a convicted drug dealing gang member oh. who had his 19 year old girlfriend at the house with her three kids at the time. Oh God. So obviously TJ and his two brothers, along with his stepfather, Got to the front door and yelled out, trick or treat. Yeah. Quinton's girlfriend poked her head out the door and saw a ghost face mask, which scared the shit out of her and she screamed. This in turn scared Quinton, who jumped up and grabbed an AK-47, aimed it at the door, shooting at least 29 bullets outside of his house. What? Yeah. Sadly, TJ was struck 12 times, (gasps) one hitting him in the head. Oh my God. The stepfather and one of his brothers was hit twice, so they had two bullet wounds, but luckily the third child was unscathed in this whole ordeal. Oh, my God. Quinton then got his girlfriend and her kids into his car and fled the scene. What? Yeah. And obviously detectives and paramedics arrived on the scene. The detective is trying to console with TJ's mother, who's just over his lifeless body, just crying. Um... Here's the dumb thing about it. Quentin comes back to the house and what? yells out the window to the detective that's there 
I thought I was being robbed. I'm confused. So he had left. Yeah. Basically got in his girlfriend and her kids out for safety because he knew he was in the shit. Yeah. Came back and said, I thought I was being robbed, so I shot. How? Well, I'll explain it to you. So he mentions to the detectives before that he's been robbed and shot before and he could not understand why a 12-year-old is trick-or-treating. He's a kid. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah, I thought that was pretty normal age to be trick-or-treating. Yeah. What? Uh, And then Quinton was charged with two counts of assault and battery, intent to kill, and along with drug and gun charges as well. His girlfriend was charged with obstruction of justice for trying to cover up the crime by leaving the scene with evidence. Oh, my God. Not much is said about the girlfriend. But Quinton was sentenced to 30 years in prison with a murder conviction and 16 years in a federal prison for weapons conviction. Holy moly. Just never know, do you? Yeah. Like, how could you think you were being robbed? Like, if they weren't even in your house. like By reading the articles, it sounds like he thought that it was this rival gang coming to rob of him of his drugs and his guns or something else who knows but i don't know a gang that goes up to a house saying trick or treat unless it's like a prank like, it's like, a, like lure them out or trying something. to lure them out but then also so he used the excuse of i thought i was being robbed but then the second excuse was i don't know why a 12 year old was trick-or-treating yes so like which one is it I don't know. Did you think you were being robbed or did you just, like, were you high on drugs that you didn't know what you were doing and just decided to shoot a kid? I don't know. My God. He makes me mad. (laughs) Oh, it's just, again, like, you'd think it's a safe night. Yeah. You just never know. Psychos are out there. There are very much psychos out there. And that's it. That is all six stories that we have for you. We didn't really want to get into too much detail. Yeah. And especially if they're stories that we might cover in the future and yeah, go more in depth. Some of them you couldn't find much on. Yeah. But um no, we just wanted to do a nice little short one for everyone really. Yeah. Especially being the last episode was almost an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> uh next week's one looks like a bit of fun. Yes, I'm very excited. You are very excited. I will post the hints up for those the day after this comes out. So yeah. this Thursday for anyone in Australia, anyone overseas, be Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's it from us. If you want to follow us on our socials, we're on Instagram at Better Watch Horror Pod. Yep. And we're on Twitter, official BWH Pod. And we now have TikTok, which is BWH Pod. Yes. And we're also on YouTube as well at Better Watch Horror. Yeah. So we... Have some fun little reaction videos there. We also post all the audio files if you prefer to listen to them on YouTube. Yes. And Gmail? Yeah, so we've got an email as well, uh, betterwatchhorrorpod at gmail.com for literally anything. If you want to have a chat, want to send us your recommendations, any requests. Yeah, which I'd get those recommendations in because after October, November looks pretty pretty open yeah so we want to do a whole month dedicated to what you guys want yeah we don't want to pick any of the movies that we want to cover or any true crime stories yep whatever you guys want we'll do and that's it i'm patrick and i'm celeste and this is the better watch horror podcast see you next week bye bye